Good evening. Thank you very much for coming. We're continuing with the 79th Anacheta of the Bhagavat Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami. Um, we're, just, we're just finishing up uh, five verses of prayers wherein the Kumaras expressed their appreciation uh, for the deeper revelation that they just received by experiencing the Lord's personal form. Uh, Jiva Goswami has used these prayers as a jumping off point to extol the virtues of the personal form of the Absolute as opposed to the impersonal form. And that's what we'll be discussing this evening. So the last prayer, I believe we went over this, right? That they would rather be born in hell. And they were all... This is the final verse of the prayers. And I'm, I think we also touched on this. Uh, o Lord of unlimited glories, you have manifested this charming form before us and our eyes have achieved much bliss by seeing it. This form, O Lord, rarely appears to those devoid of awareness of the true self. We offer our humble obeisances unto you. So we went over that, right? Mm -hmm. hmm? Uh, uh, Jiva Goswami continues in his Anucheta after quoting the verse. The Kumaras sang this verse to express their amazement upon attaining such perfection. You remain concealed to those devoid of awareness of the true self. Anatmanam. And, or in other words, who are devoid of unalloyed devotion to you, the true self, and yet you have become visible to our eyes. We offer our obeisance unto you. So this is the final prayer. And... The Kumars are actually, they're in amazement that the Lord displayed his personal form to them. Um, and the, uh, the following verse is quoted. Uh, Just as an owl does not see the sun, those devoid of devotion to the true self, anatmanam, very rarely see the Lord. Since the Kumars were Brahmagnanis and then prayed for devotional service, this indicates that bhakti or loving devotional service is the Panchama Purushartha, the fifth and topmost goal of human life. So they they prayed for devotional service. This is extraordinary considering their position as as Brahmavadis, perfectly situated. So we see the same amazement in this pastime of the Kumars experiencing the Lord's form as in Vyasadeva's entering into trance and having additional 
darshan of the Lord, and then he could rewrite the Bhagavatam, which he'd already completed, but he could rewrite, rewrite it in a way that would be satisfying to the necessity he felt and was directed to fulfillment of that necessity by his spiritual master, Narada. And the same amazement that we see in uh, Sukadev. How could I be... I was completely self-satisfied, yet upon hearing the narrations from the Bhagavatam, my heart was drawn to those. So similarly, the, the Kumars have expressed the same thing in their verses, the, the fact that this is, this is truly extraordinary. It certainly did not come about except through some extraordinary mercy. And they traced the mercy back to the, the benediction of uh, their spiritual master. So before the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the majority of Indian spiritualists were, they considered liberation or moksha the topmost attainment. So this, this fifth Purushartha, Prem, having a love for the Lord, uh, was, not, was not at the top of the list. It was known about in certain circles. It was, you know, more or less underground. But the majority of transcendentalists, prior to the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, went the normal course of of, of Vedic pro- progression, coming eventually in spiritual life after coming through, going through Karma Khanda and going up and down in samsara. Um, seeing that the significance of of liberation and in order to attain that liberation relying upon um, primarily the path of celibacy which leads to these higher planetary systems above the three planetary systems of samsara that are destroyed at the uh, the end of Brahma's day you have the 14 divisions of planetary systems and living entities going up and down from heaven to hell to earth and back around again and again and again. And then the end of Brahma day, Brahma's day comes and it's all burned up. And he gets, wakes up the next morning and it starts all over again. But there are these other planets within the universe at the very, the very top of the universe, I guess you could say, or at least topmost conscious-wise, that do not go through that daily devastation. And the residents there have attained residency there by paying the price of celibacy. Celibacy and their planets are there for the Vanaparastas, for the Brahmacharis, and for the Sannyasis. And then, of course, the Brahma's planet itself, which is the topmost of those. Is that the fourth one? Or? Yes, it's the fourth. Is Brahma celibate? Brahma's beyond celibacy. <laughs> when you can have offspring without the assistance of somebody, <laughs> <laughs> I think we can understand Brahma's in a class of his own.
when you can, you know, when the Kabars can come simply, when Rudra can simply come from, you know, from a little anger, you know, and Narda is born of Brahma, and the Kabars themselves are born of Brahma, directly. Doesn't Varaha come out of his nostrils? Well, that's, yeah, but that's a manifestation that we wouldn't really call that a birth. So, Jiva Goswami is now, he's planting the seeds for, a, for the major upheaval of this whole system, basically. He's, and he's using this particular Anucheta, which gives the entire revelation of the Kumars as as the groundwork upon which he's going to continue to chip away at all the various misconceptions regarding Brahman realization. He's going to put it in proper perspective by putting forth arguments that even those that are inclined towards Brahmati wouldn't even come up with. So he's going to first put forth what they would argue and then he's going to defeat it by showing that it's not feasible. It first doesn't work within your own philosophical, the confines of your own philosophical presentation of what is Brahman and it certainly does not co- it, it doesn't go along with what the Kumars directly experienced with. They experienced one thing, and we can't attribute something else to that experience. So that's what's going to come out here. So we'll go through his Anacheda. We're at the 15th section. He's taken this one Anacheda based on this one set of verses from the Bhagavatam book, and it's the, the commentator, such an Orion Das, has broken it up into 17 parts. Well, we're now at the 15th part. So now we're going to, from this point, we're going to look back upon the Anucheta, about the, uh, of what's being presented in the Bhagavatam. We're going to look back upon that, and we're going to put it in perspective and then he's going to use it as a springboard to, to uh, dispel further illusions regard, regarding Brahman realization, what it is and what it isn't, and why Bhagavan realization is superior to it, and why Bhagavan realization isn't what is sometimes attributed to Bhagavan. So he's going to do a lot here in this, this the end of this Anucheda. So some proponents of radical non-dualism may attempt to explain these verses in a way that contradicts the above observations. The simple, straightforward observations that 
and and revelations that the, that the Kumaras experienced. Well, some some people will say, well, really, this is what was going on, and Jiva is going to confront those arguments and show that no. Let's take this simple explanation. Let's take them at their own world word because really there are no other. There, there you can't beat the Kamars because this is their this is their stock and trade. They are the the bodies of the universal affairs. They know what is Brahman. They're fully versed in it. They're fully they fully recognize it. They're fully entranced in Brahman continually. So much so they don't even know if they're wearing clothes or not. They don't even know where they are. That's the nature that's brought out in the Bhagavatam of a Brahman realized person. He's he's oblivious to material situations completely. So Jiva's going to present some of these arguments that that can come up but from the radical non-dualism. Radical means going too far astray. There's proper non-dualism. We accept that. But there's also radical non-dualism where we try to attribute to the absolute only only the Brahman conception. We do not open our consciousness enough to understand that Brahman can also have within it a personality. Can also have other condensed shaktis of blissfulness which exceed the general enjoyment that can be had in samadhi of Brahman. The happiness of the Kumars, the happiness that Kumars derived from seeing the form of the Lord was only an external pleasure for their eyes. It's an argument that can be put forth. In other words, they're just seeing, they're seeing Brahman. They're, they're experiencing a blissfulness which comes from their Brahman realization through their eyes. So this is an argument that, that could be put forward. And, and did not touch or transform their hearts as understood by the Vaishnavas. It really didn't, it wasn't anything from the heart. Although the Kumar said it was, and although they wanted it, they they were not satiated. Well, the radical non-dualists say, well, they just experienced something, and let me explain what they experienced. So now Jiva Goswami's discussion begins and begins. Now now follows the discussion. The Kumars were the spiritual teachers even for all other spiritual teachers past and present. In other words, they're they're the top they're the they're the uh 
they have uh, whatever those big college words are. You know, they they are the main teachers uh, at the University of Transcendence. Um, who had attained completion in knowledge of Brahman. They didn't have anything more to learn about Brahman. Therefore, it was stated that they were highly enlightened, liberated sages. Paramahansa Mahamuninam. This was earlier in the discourse. Jiva's bringing all these things out. This is properly known from such statements as King Amsuman said, O oh my Lord, sages free from the influence of the three gunas of material natures, like the four Kumars, are able to, are able to think of you who are highly condensed, unadulterated awareness. But how can an ignorant person like me think of you? So a verse, he was using a verse to just extol the the high position of the Kumars uh, from the Srimad Bhagavatam, his primary praman or his primary evidence. According to Sri Brahma, more evidence, in the beginning, out of a desire to create various worlds, I underwent, uh, underwent austerities and penances. From that unbroken penance, the Lord became the four sanats or sanas. So Brahma is speaking about the birth of the Kumars. They came out of my severe austerities in order to create the universe. At the time of the universal inundation in the previous Kalpa, a Kalpa here in this context is another day of Brahma, uh, spiritual knowledge had been devastated. But... In this form, the Lord explained it so perfectly that the sages could see it within themselves. So he's saying, even the Kumars were instructed by the Lord regarding Brahman revelation. The Truti states, the venerable Sanat Kumar showed what lies beyond darkness to Narada, who had become free from all impurities. So, more and more evidence Jiva's giving. Let's let's look who are these Kumars? What's their position? How how realized are they? Well, here's a few things you should think about when you think about the Kumars. This is confirmed by Sri Kapila Dave. The yogis in Samadhi, the yogi in Samadhi has no more interest in the material body and its byproducts. He has no more interest than a person awakened from sleep has for the products of a dream. Now, Yiva Goswami brings in the com commentary of Sridhar Swami. Sridhar Swami has also explained that the anger, in other words, don't be misled by this supposed display of anger by the Kumars. Let's look to what Sridhar says here. Don't think that they were influenced by the modes of material nature, is what Jeeva is saying. Because Sridhar Swami says that the anger displayed by the Kumars, 
who had shattered the bonds of Maya and the products of their of her various gunas, such as delusion, was due to the supreme will of the Lord, which makes possible even the impossible. So he's, again, don't have any misconceptions regarding the exalted position of these four individuals. They're, they're the, they are... Thus it is proven that the Kumars were continuously absorbed in the bliss of Brahman. As was stated in 3.15.43, they were established in the bliss of the imperishable, Aksara Jusamapi. And in verse 46, though invisible, you have now become visible to us. That consciousness, another verse from the Bhagavatam, which is no longer pierced by lust and other such impulses, whose every function has become calm and peaceful, and which has been touched by the joy of Brahman, would never rise up to materialistic action again. In other words, somebody who has reached their state of transcendence is never again impeded by an influence from the material nature. That's how advanced they were. Now we know there are Jivan Muktas who can fall down, but these are Jivan Muktas that are beyond even the possibility of fall down. They also exist. Now you could say, well, Anybody in the material universe can always fall with under, the, under the influence of the modes of material nature. But actually, there are advanced devotees also who are beyond the possibility of fall down. So, look at this little bit of anger coming from these four sages and understand that it's coming about through a specific arrangement of the Lord. Just as we look at some some supposed fall down by a devotee and see that it is it is simply the Lord's working through them or has a specific purpose in mind. These are truly liberated personalities. They're jiva muktas. They're liberated in their in their very existence. Yet Jiva goes on, despite the fact that they are fully transcendental, their hearts became attracted to the bliss of Bhagavan. How do we explain this? The same is also said of other Atmaramas, Atmaramas Chamunayo, that the Lord can attract all kinds of Atmaramas such as in the following verse, I bow down to the son of Vyas, who, though fully situated in his own bliss and completely free from any conception of duality, was attracted in his very essence by the enchanting pastimes of the invincible Lord. 
Jeeves repeatedly used this verse through his Sandarvas up to this point, talking about Sukadeva Goswami. How is it that he could be attracted to these pastimes from the Bhagavatam? Considering his full situation, he's fully... But they made him blissful. More blissful than he already was. And he was already pretty blissful. Nothing in the material world bothered him at all. He could walk around. He was not even affected, you know... He was he was such in such a blissful state that he, there was he had no attraction for anything in the world of man. Even naked women bathing could sense this in him, and didn't even didn't even have to worry about their personal modesty. But when her when his dad came along, well they they sensed a different consciousness. Of course, he was dressed. But. but the Kumar's awareness was fully absorbed in the Lord, since it was said in, and he's again, he's drawing the verses that we've gone out, he's going over the verses again. The Lord's feet are to be sought out by highly enlightened, liberated sages. The use of the word anvesaniya are to be sought out with regards to the Lord's feet, does not contradict the idea that their attraction to the Lord was spontaneous, yadrichika. The following prose paragraph from the fifth canto also states that Atmarama sages become fixed in single-minded devotion to Bhagavan. O Lord, sages who delight in the self alone incessantly glorify your attributes. They have burnt up all impurities in the fire of wisdom, coupled with renunciation, and have imbibed your pure nature. Glorification of your attributes is the source of supreme auspiciousness even for such Atmarama sages. That's from the fifth canto. Jiva's just He's pulling from all these places and saying, this is your evidence. This is where they're at. And this, this signifies the reliability for, for us that their experience was real. Other Atmaramas experienced the same thing, even though they're situated in transcendence. Still, the Lord has a magical effect. And all this, all this, we have to see what Jiva's doing here. What he's doing is he's bringing out this Prem Purushartha, this fifth Purushartha, this, pur, this Pancha Purushartha, Sarta, which is above all the other attainments of human existence, artha, kama, dhamma, and also moksha. Then there's something else. 
So now he's, he's using this as a framework for that. Look, it's in the Bhagavatam, all over the place. And the fact that the Kumaras experienced it, this is just further evidence for us. Now, let's properly understand it. Let's not misunderstand it. And as he goes on here, through the end of this Anucheta, he's going to start batting down misconceptions that the radical non-dualists could put forward. I don't know if they have the level of intelligence of Jiva to put forward them. In fact, Satya Narayan brings that out himself in his commentary. He brings forth arguments that they couldn't even come up with themselves, in his opinion. But we should never belittle the Brahma bodies. These, you know, we belittle the, 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 the Maya bodies. But the Brahma bodies are true transcendentalists. But how do we distinguish one from the other? Now that we're going to learn here by Jiva bringing out the way they think and the way they look at things. This is the right way to look at it, and this is the wrong way to look at it. You mean distinguish between the Brahma bodies and the Maya bodies? Yes. In other words, these are these are these arguments if 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 a transcendentalist makes these arguments, you know that he doesn't have the depth he doesn't he needs more he doesn't have the depth of understanding of the Kamars. He doesn't have the depth of understanding that Krishna brings out the end of Bhagavad Gita, Brahma Bhuta Prasanatmana Sochate Nakungsate. They're not there yet. They need more help. They're seeing things. They're imposing upon the Supreme in order to justify their conception of Brahman misconceptions or upadis. And we're going to discuss a little about upadis. We move along here. This is also the case for Sukadev Goswami, who was attracted in his very essence by the enchanting pastimes of the invincible Lord. So again, the same verse that was there just two paragraphs ago. Jiva Goswami goes on, In the present narration also it is directly stated that the Lord bestowed joy upon the Kumars. You have manifested this charming form before us, and our eyes have achieved much bliss by seeing it. For the reasons given above, and because of the self-censure found in their prayers, and also from the direct statement the Lord touched their heart by his glance of affection. It should not be concluded that only the eyes of the Kamars and not the Kamars of themselves felt bliss. And that this description thus indicates only their detachment from material life. Therefore, since he is the locus, of pleasure even for those who delight in the self alone, Atmarama, the transcendental existent, called Brahman, is verily Sri Bhagavan. 
he's going to build upon this concept, but here he's, he's planting the seed. Do not think that the revelation of seeing the form of the Lord is simply an enhancement of their pre-existing transcendent enjoyment in Brahman realization. This will become more clear as we move forward. But basically, don't think that their their eye perceiving a form of the Lord and taking pleasure is equivalent to the pleasure they have experienced up to that point in their being situated in Brahman realization. Don't think the two are the same. Don't think that simply they, they saw a form and they perceived it as Brahman, as not material, and it only affected their vision. No, it went into their heart. It affected their heart. It was a furtherance of a different revelation than they had experienced up to that point. And we and he's going to point out we can we can understand that from the way they prayed. Like they prayed, we would love to be a bee and continually taste the honey from your lotus feet. Well, why would they want to continually taste the honey from the feet of the form of the Lord if the taste of the honey is the same taste that they have in their own Brahman realization? Why would you go to the forest to find honey when it's in the kitchen cabinet? It's already there, so it's 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 a readily available to them in their Brahman realization, but they're praying for it doesn't make sense to ask in prayer for something you already possess. Moreover, and this will end this section. Since it was said he created a commotion even in the minds and bodies of the Brahman realized Kumars, it is understood that Bhagavan is the absolute in its most highly condensed essence, more substantial even than Brahman. This is so because Bhagavan additionally grants the variegated bliss of seeing and being absorbed in his unsurpassed beautiful bodily limbs and features because it cannot otherwise be accounted for it is to be inferred that this wonderful bliss is also manifested a manifestation of his Swarup Shakti this is going to be really played upon moving forward but the point is this is condensed bliss that is experienced from the Lord's personal form and his personality 
which far exceeds that blissfulness, and there certainly is blissfulness in Brahman realization. So, but it, it far exceeds is the main point. And why does it far exceed? Because it's in, endowed with the Lord's Swarup Shakti. So that ends this little section. And now Jiva is going to go forward to make sure that when we talk about the Swarup Shakti of the Lord in relationship to Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate, we understand there is a distinction there. It's not an it is part of the Lord's intrinsic nature. What the Kumaras experienced was not an imposition upon something that they already had, which was transcendent realization and blissfulness in Brahman. There's a condensed blissfulness here. It's different. It's coming from the personality. Since the Lord's body is transcendental, it should be understood that the bliss derived from seeing him surges from the internal potency and not from the gunas of nature. Who would even think that? Well, guess who? All right, he goes on. This is the 16th section. Jeeva's speaking in the Sanocheda. He's putting forth an objection. These are going to be deep philosophical discussion on his point, but they're really, he's set a groundwork that are going to make them easily understandable by us way back when we started in the Tattva Sandarbha. He's, he's priming us for this kind of, of information that we can just, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I'm not bewildered here. Objection. Let us consider for a moment that the Kamars experienced experience of extreme bliss upon witnessing the Lord's form was simply a condensed manifestation of the bliss of unqualified Brahman. Let's give that a let's give that a whirl. See if that works. See if that idea of you know Nirvishesh Swarupananda. Nirvishesh Nirvishesha means what? Void or terrible? No, void is Sunyavadi. Oh. Okay. Personalism, right. So nirvishesh, without form, right? Formless, the formless concept of the absolute. Swarup ananda. It's really nirvishesh, but it's manifesting a swarup, and it's giving you pleasure. So Jiva's putting forth this argument. It's really nirvishesh, but you're seeing a form because you have to see a form because your nirvishesh re realization will not reach completion 
without the form. There has to be a drop of bhakti. You can't love Brahman. So Brahman has to take a form. So now Jiva is going to talk about how Brahman, let's look at the way that Brahman takes a form and the way Brahman doesn't take a form. Don't, so he's going to teach us, you know, by saying, well, this is the wrong way to conceive of this. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. The right way is to understand the Lord's condensed transcendental form is a manifestation of his internal spiritual swarup shakti. Now the non-dualists who don't have this deeper understanding can say, well, Brahman is is really, it's the form is condensed uh, sattva-gun. What can't be condensed? sattva So, well, that's not what the terminology, so we're going to go through this. This is, this is exciting stuff. You'll like it. Its density being due to the imposition on Brahman of certain distinguishing characteristics known as apodis. So, you take Brahman, that all, that transcendental Brahman, and you impose a body on it, and it can take a form. Jeeva is saying, so this is, somebody may come up with this objection that really the, their heart wasn't touched. It was just a different manifestation of the bliss they were already enjoying in Brahman. Understand? Mm-hmm. So somebody's coming forth with, well, Jeeva's coming forth with an argument on their behalf and saying, well, actually, it's just the same bliss that they already had. It's no different. There's no real melting of the heart here of the Kamars. Come on, they're, they're the topmost transcendentalists in Brahman realization. So, Nirvasesh Sarupananda, that's what they were experiencing. They were experiencing Nanda after an imposition was imposed upon the Nirvasesh conception and that imposition, that Upadi, how did that come about? Well, how could it come about? Well, Jiva's going to argue on their behalf the way they would argue. Well, this is how. And he say, no, no, wait a minute. You're Brahmavadis. You can't come up with these arguments. They don't fit into the rest of your philosophy here. If it doesn't fit, you know, you must have quit. <laughs> it doesn't work. You can't accept the argument. So he's going to put forth the argument and then he's going to say, this is an unacceptable argument. <laughs> According to this view, Bhagavan is Brahman qualified with the bodies. In other words, the Brahman that appears in the mind, Chittavritti, Brahman appearing in the mind, taking a form, that arises out of just a portion of being, pure being, Visuddhasattva, also manifests in Bhagavan. Visuddhasattva. So, 
the mind, the pure mind of the transcendentalist, like the Kumars, Chittavritti, in their pure consciousness, a form manifests. And the form is manifesting by Visuddha Sattva, pure, purified Sattva. Yes. Purified goodness, which is what? It's beyond the gunas of material nature. Uh, Jiva doesn't like this argument very much. So he goes on. Who is Bhagavan, who is condensed and undivided pure being, Visuddha Sattva. So a form, your mani- a form is manifesting from Upadi, Upadi, some um, we're qualifying and, and we're qualifying, yes. Then through superimposition, Adasya of Brahman, as Bhagavan, the mind states, the mind states are modified into exact conformity with Bhagavan. And so the Brahman that appears in the mind states does so in qualified form. Hence the statement that there is no difference between the Lord's form and Parabrahman is made only from the perspective that such a form acquires complete oneness with Brahman in the Chittavritti. You're conceiving of this form by the application of purified goodness is basically an argument that Jiva's putting forward on their behalf. That it's it's really it's it's coming about in your chitta. As Well, they can see inside or outside. They're, you know, again, these are complete transcendentalists. They don't even, they do not see us outside. They don't even, you know, basically they have no interaction with, with material nature. Although they may be walking in the world, they're not really aware of it. It's like be walking in a dream, you know. Walking in the world was like the world is just a dream. They're in reality. So the dream is going on around them, but they're walking through it because they know there's nothing here of any substance. There's nothing in material existence that lasts. So it's it's just a it's a dream of existence which has no it has no reality really. It only has reality if you invest your consciousness in it and give it reality. So you know, it's a very exalted position that a transcendentalist has. Therefore, in the various limiting adjuncts, upadis, only one non-differentiated supreme bliss is realized without even a trace of any kind of form. These adjuncts are required only for the sake of providing interesting experiences in each arising moment in the bliss of trance, 
So by this evidence, how can you try to establish that these are parties as how can you try to establish even these upadis as forms of the absolute truth? So his argument is, he's making this argument on their behalf. What is, it, what is it? This form of the Lord is simply, it's manufactured by your pure consciousness and your experiencing of it through your external sense or your internal senses because we just went through the, their internal. So they saw a form with their eye, the eye of knowledge, knowing that the absolute, but their experience of that form is, is resulting as an extension of their natural blissful state of being. It's just, it's part of their bliss to, for the eye to behold a form attributed to the Brahman that they're already enjoying. Does that make sense? So the mind is, needs something to, to, is grasping? Well, the mind is enjoying, the, you know, enjoying it, the, mind, the mind of these transcendentalists is not going to be in any way attracted to anything material. So it's, so it's it, in order to enhance its own blissfulness in Brahman, it, it, it conceives of a form uh-huh. of purified Visuddha Sattva, uh-huh. purified goodness, because it couldn't be a material form, which is a mixture of goodness, passion and ignorance. For them to, there's no buts here because he's arguing on their behalf. So he's going to refute it. Okay. All right, so let's let Jiva do that because okay. he's, he's going to be much better at it than what we can come up with. Any questions? I think I can refute it. I'm sure you can. <laughs> I think you should let us repeat it and then see how close we get to Jiva. Okay, we'll do that at the beginning of the next class. Yes? I vaguely remember hearing years ago that the Kumaras they chose to be uh, five-year-olds, however old they were. Up to appear that way. I've never come across anything to that effect that they chose, but they certainly can choose. On the planets where the Kumars hang out, people on those planets, when they're dis- from the Brihat uh, Bhagavatamrita, we understand that it's they're discussing the di- various pastimes of the Supreme. And his leelas, they personally take forms to correspond with the leelas that they're narrating. Do you remember that part of Brihat Bhagavatam Rita? Yeah, okay. Anyway, they change forms. Anything you can imagine from all the, the phantasmagoria that Hollywood has put out there from all their, you know, comic book movies, yeah, all that plays out on steroids in the real world of the higher planetary systems. 
people have powers beyond your wildest imaginations. Come on, look at Vitrasura. He came out of a fire after a after you know after a Brahmin mispronounced a mantra. So whatever we imagine, you know, it's it's there. Certainly it's coming from some experience, some impression that's coming forward from experience in the material universe. So it's, you know, I mean, just imagine on these higher four planetary systems, well, three, they leave the one if they're lucky to go up. Uh, at the end of the day of Brahma, I mean, they live for the same duration as Brahma's whole life in trance. Dhyana Loka, Tapa Loka. Oh. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Was there a question there? Yeah, well, I had a question that I thought they chose that. Of course, they chose. Yes, they're completely liberated so souls. They wouldn't be attracted to any. You know, my. I'm they were already beyond attraction. It was just a mis. Right, and that's why I got confused. It's a different. It's an early presentation of the philosophy. That's all. Oh, okay. I understand. I've never heard that myself. That's an interesting take on things. I've heard that. They were little boys, so they wouldn't have sex desire and stuff. Exactly. They were already without sex desire. Yeah, As we just heard now, there's no way that somebody at their level can have sex desire. That's just what I was I understand. In a class at some point. Yeah. I can see why somebody would, mm-hmm. would make that presentation like that. So you're saying that they that that's the case. That no, the Bhagavatam is saying it's not the case. Okay, that they that they just um, they're they're beyond it because of their Brahman realization. Correct. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for your association.